there are quite a few distractions which you know if you're trying to get a policy letter through the states might not be the worst thing for the current education committee um, but it also means that you've got to i think probably make more of an effort to engage your people welcome to the bailiwick express podcast my name is matthew Leach. I'll be joined each week by a guest for a series of podcasts. Each will shine a light on topics from across the bailiwick. The format will change week to week. We'll have debates, reviews, hot seat interviews and special guests. So stick with us as we offer some insight on some of the most important issues we in the bailiwick face. The future of secondary education could soon be decided. After years of pausing, reviewing and intense debate, will there be three schools? Four schools? Will Lamar de Cartwright close? How many sixth forms will there be? We've been shown option after option and some would say the public have reached a certain exhaustion with the topic. However, with an impending policy letter soon laying bare the full proposal by the current Education, School and Culture Committee, we might just be in the final chapter. I took a moment to discuss the debate with the editor of The Express, Aaron Carpenter, who explains why we're here and what happens next. Welcome back to this week's podcast. This week we're going to be talking about everybody's favourite topic, the uh, education debate and the future of secondary education in the island. I'm joined again by the editor of the Bailiwick Express. And following this week's state's debate and the ESC public presentation, what more have we learned about ESC's proposals for the future of education, if anything, this week? I think one of the first things to touch upon before anything else is that what happens next with education is going to be absolutely momentous, or at least it should be. Um, you know, it's the the outcome that we've been building towards for years, the transformation of the secondary education estate, the move away from a selective education system to a comprehensive uh, model that really gives equality of opportunity across the board and that drives out some of those inequalities that you, you get when you have schools which you know some have better facilities than others some have swimming pools others don't and they all have different kind of facilities and different buildings you know, so, you know the Beau Camps is a fairly new building Lamar de Cartra is if not falling down has been in a state of disrepair for a number of years but after all of these years after all these states debates and all these u-turns and these policies I think what we're left with now is potentially quite a disenfranchised public the last term with the one school over two sites model got a lot of people involved a lot of people were unhappy with the plans for you know transport reasons about um you know perceptions of greater class sizes which probably wouldn't have materialized under that model but when you have potentially 1100 students at a school there is some unease and that kind of materialized and that led to a pause and review raquette just before the 2020 election Education was a massive election issue, but I think probably since then the issue, the interest has maybe died down a bit. And I don't think that what education are proposing have really exercised people's emotions too much either way. Um, I don't think they've really angered a lot of people yet, but they haven't maybe um, captured the imagination of some people either. Um, I think probably the main thing in terms of what we've learned is that we knew it was going to be three eleven to sixteen schools a couple months ago, and then with a sixth form and. Guernsey Institute co-located together, which is quite an interesting proposition, could lead to, you know, really, you know, complete campus of, you know, different opportunities for young people. The main question was whether or not Leverand or the former grammar school site 
Ball and Marta Cartridge joined St Sampson's and Le Beau Camp in the future of the 11-16 schooling. What we've learned is that Lamar de Carter is almost certain not to be part of education's plans, um, and that's been attributed mainly to cost, you know, costing around about 30 million more to rebuild that than it would to do the required refurbishments and renovations at the former grammar school site. And the president, Deputy Dudley Owen, has said that, you know, had it not been for COVID, you know, it may have been different, that uh, the cost package of of what her committee is having to deliver in a difficult financial environment has played a part. But I think the main thing perhaps we need to learn now is some of the finer details because we have an outline of what the plans are, but the devil is in the detail. And if you ask any teaching union or any teacher, anyone in the kind of education um, system who has some kind of skin in the game, they'll probably tell you that the detail that they really want that will determine the success of this and how it works for students is the information that at this point in time they don't really have. So the next few weeks are going to be very important in that respect. People need to know the transition arrangements for Lamar de Cartra. And we've had two public presentations so far. We had one on Wednesday night, we had one on Thursday night. Notably, those who were at the grammar school and Le Beaucamp High School. Personally, I think there's an argument that the school environment in which you would have the most questions and the most uncertainties um, would be Lamar de Cartra because they're the ones who are probably most affected by um, the announcement we've had to date. So after the publication of the policy letter, I think that needs to be a priority. Um, It can't just be behind closed doors, uh, controlled environment, communication between committees and, 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 and some kind of teaching representatives. There needs to be an open forum where the parents and the students, the teaching staff of Lamar de Cartier can you know, put these questions to education without fear or favour on their home turf um, in an environment that, you know, that they feel comfortable. The next step will be how that engagement goes and what, what the teachers think, because teachers are at the heart of this. And as we saw with the one school over two science model in the previous term, or the back end of the previous term, some of the, uh, the, the teacher concerns that did arise um, around certain aspects of that played a pivotal part in helping to get the portion of credit through the states and ultimately led to the previous committee not really having much success at the election. So the next few weeks is going to be crucial and obviously the committee will be working, you'd imagine, around the clock trying to get this, ease some of those concerns, give a roadmap of when that information will come and provide some guarantees because that's what a lot of teachers are looking for, which they don't currently have. And so how are they defending the current lack of detail? They're describing it as an iterative process which needs to be needs to come through consultation. And I think one of the things they've said is that the required consultation you know, is still happening. They're still they need to release their plans, they need to get that community engagement, and then the policy letter itself doesn't need to be this all intensive document giving every level of detail. I think what the staff want probably is how this will affect them, what the transition arrangements are, um, confidence over jobs and where they'll be teaching, etc. And of course, there is an ongoing kind of narrative and there's an ongoing debate between probably the current committee and some of the supporters of the current committee and those who perhaps still believe in the previous model. That, I think, is, is an important form of scrutiny, but at times it can get a bit political when politics has really smeared the whole transformation of education for a number of years now. 
And you mentioned before it seems like there's a little less public feedback this time round. Do you think that's because there's a certain level of public exhaustion with the topic or do you think it's because we are circling the right answer? I think there is a lot of exhaustion with this whole debate and I think that what has been proposed to date by the Education Committee is not that radical. Um, It's probably what was expected ever since the election, in fairness. So I don't think there is a lot to really exercise people's anger or frustration or even joy at this stage. But at the same time, as we saw with the one school model, even though they were at the very end fierce, you know, fierce criticism of it, that did not happen straight away. That generated and it built over time. And it's only when things become real, the public is moved in that way to start thinking about how it actually affects them. So one of the things that will be crucial, for example, is traffic plans, um, how it will fit, what will happen with teachers who currently work at Lamar de Cartwright. So I think some of the kind of finer details that ended up being maybe the downfall of the previous committee um, is perhaps the kind of detail which isn't there currently. So we don't know if that will kind of spark the same kind of reaction. We don't know if when this is all signed and sealed and we have everything we need to know, you know, if people will be perfectly happy with it. It may be that the states and the public kind of sign up to this before that detail is actually known. Um, and obviously we're working in a different environment now where I think for the cost of doing it as well, it needs to be done soon. It's probably a good time to build. It's probably a good time to, if you need to fund it through a loan, and if that needs to happen, it's probably a good time to be doing that. And I think at this point you can't have this drag on for the rest of the term because there is a lot to achieve. There's a lot to be done to spark economic recovery. And I don't think that the kind of senior committees, and that includes the senior, most senior of them all, um, policy and resources, who have, whose president has backed... Uh, Andrew Dudley going all the way on this and um, will want this to cloud the rest of the term. So at the end of all this can we thank Deputy Dudley Owen or has she simply inherited this end chapter? She has played a massive role in education over the last kind of four or five years. Firstly as a member of the 2016 committee which was populated by uh, Deputy Paula Pelle, Deputy Carl Meerveld, uh, Deputy Mark Leadbeater and Deputy David Lowe in the first instance, um, Deputy Neil Linder and Deputy John Gollop had points in, in that committee as well. Towards the back end of, after the original um, kind of free school proposals didn't really spark any enthusiasm in, in, from teachers, that committee obviously was stood down ultimately, their, their plans were rejected in favour of a more, um, I suppose, kind of off-the-wall model in the in the shape of the one school over two sides model. Off-the-wall in the Guernsey context, I don't think what was being proposed was necessarily as radical as, been, as it has been portrayed. But then that did not get the public confidence on board. Deputy Dudley Owen was a fierce critic of that committee, um, was applying a lot of scrutiny from outside of it towards the kind of second half of the political term and led the pause and review which was successful by narrow margin. And then obviously when it came to election time, you know, she stood on the on the basis that she'd be likely to to put herself forward to lead that. And after getting in and after, you know, finishing so high in the in the polls, which she you know, she had a lot of confidence behind her. And I think a lot of that kind of faith and I think faith might be the right word, 
that was placed into Deputy Dudley Owen is now being borne out. I think she has a massive role um, in that committee and she doesn't have a lot of experience behind her in the shape of the other committee members and I think there is a lot riding on her to get this through and I don't think she'll struggle politically. I think she has the political support and I think she has the right backing of the right people within the states of Guernsey. Now the hard part is you know, convincing the teachers and the wider public that what she promised will be delivered. And that's not easy for any politician, but it's obviously a challenge that she has taken on. And you know, all credit to her for that. The proof is still yet to come as to whether or not it will be worth it and whether the model that arises out of this will be one that really revolutionises education and makes the best of you know, the comprehensive system that we're moving to. Has she received much kickback from her peers in the States? I know, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to get this right, but what did Jonathan Latoc say recently? Was it today or yesterday? About uh, another version of a school model that he thought would be better. I believe that Deputy Latoc prefers 11 to 18 schools, um, free 11 to 18 schools rather than free 11 to 16s and a sixth form. There, there is a lot of interest in the 11 to 18 model. And you will remember that Earlier on the term, and probably even in the back end of last term, there was a question is, well, maybe not two 11 to 18s, or maybe not three 11 to 18s, but what about one 11 to 18 and a couple of 11 to 16s? That probably wouldn't fit with the, a mix, a mishmash of the two probably wouldn't fit with the whole move to um, a more kind of equitable education system. But the, the 11 to 18 system, um, provides some advantages of you know co-location with the older students the you know the learning from the older students the aspirational element of being in the same kind of environment as those um the older teenagers and you know be, kind of being inspired by their achievements and seeing them grow and develop i think the the inevitable issue with a free 11 to 18s is that the six forms are going to be quite small that will probably have a knock-on effect within the cost envelope that you're dealing with especially now the curriculum would probably take a bit of a hit and you wouldn't have that breadth of curriculum which you would have in a dedicated sixth form. Um, so that's why you had 11 to 18, two 11 to 18s on the previous model, um, sorry, the previous proposal uh, led by Deputy Matt Fallis. It was a more realistic version of three 11 to 18s, probably in a best world possible. You'd have three 11 to 18s and you'd overstaff the sixth forms, but that isn't going to happen in a month of Sundays. Finally, then, for them, people who uh, have been dropping in now, starting at the beginning of this whole saga, why are we here in the first place? We're here because there has been a lot of unrest for a number of years about having a grammar school which decides upon selection at a, a very young age. And the belief in many quarters that that leads to some students having better educational opportunities than others, based on quite an arbitrary um, test at the age of you know, 10, 11. The move to a comprehensive system, obviously, we, we've seen a lot in the UK with comprehensives and grammar schools, and there have been kind of changes in policy, and you know, some people wanting to bring back grammar schools over there. I think the whole selection debate is over. I, I don't think that's going to rear its head again. I, I think that's been settled now. I think there are a lot of people within the States who have got over that, in, in all fairness. That didn't happen straight away, but I think that is over with now. And the real outcome that, that is intended from all of this is that you have 
a modern, equitable education system which gives every youngster the opportunity to thrive, to succeed, to pursue their ambitions, whatever they are, and to to really improve themselves without any kind of barriers to attainment. So trying to remove that as much as possible. And if you have a hurdle at 10, 11, that maybe decides the rest of your secondary education. Um, personally, I went to grammar school. I think I narrowly passed that test. I enjoyed it. I think I probably had quite a good educational experience from it. I know that some of my siblings went to comprehensives, which they didn't feel were particularly great environments for learning. You know, we, we all have our kind of own kind of anecdotal experiences, but I think the, the, the underlying objective is that everyone, regardless of their background, regardless of, you know, whether they're able to pass what is, from at least from my memory, quite an arbitrary test. I remember um, it being so, yeah. Yeah, I don't think it, it really showed how clever I was or how clever anyone else was, to be quite honest. At the end of the day, it needs to be a really good school environment for all of our youngsters who can then go on to you know, have a positive impact in Guernsey life or in their own careers elsewhere and who can you know, you know, learn to be you know, happy. So with all that on the line, um, no wonder there's so much pressure to get it right. There's a huge amount of pressure and as the debates get closer and when it becomes you know, a vote away from happening or you know, a vote away from having a, a cheque written out, that's when probably when people really start to get involved with it. As we've seen, I think there has been a bit of um, apathy around the process so far. I think probably people responded with their feet at the 2020 election giving an idea of what they wanted or at least who they wanted to kind of oversee the education changes. Ever since then, it's been a, perhaps a bit of an anticlimax. Obviously, we've had a second wave of COVID, which has perhaps, you know, taking people's minds away from this. We have, we're going into a summer where people are able to travel again for the first time. There are quite a few distractions, which, you know, if you're trying to get a policy letter through the States, might not be the worst thing for the current education committee. Um, but it also means that you've got to, I think, probably make more of an effort to engage with people, um, to make sure that people are on board and that any concerns that they have, which may kind of feed back into the eventual proposals, will be listened to, will be incorporated and will be built in so that it can have the, you know, the best possible effect. Thank you for listening to the Bailiwick Express podcast. The title track was Shift My Weight by Luno. If you enjoyed it, I know it's a pain, but please like and share. It all helps. And remember, you can hit bailiwickexpress.com to stay right up to date with whatever is happening in the Bailiwick. You can find us online, on social, on email, and on internet radio. There'll be more from me, Matthew Leach, and all the Bailiwick Express team next Friday.